What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, and joined, as always, I got Mello sitting across from me, rocking a Jets hoodie, and I got Connor in the backyard of the Jets in NYC. Boys, I miss you. We spent all last week together, and then we came home, and I'm like, oh, my God, I miss my kids. I miss my girlfriend. I miss you guys. Like I, I need to get the crew back together as soon as possible. It's a rough transition going from drinking every night to back to dad life. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it ever? I mean, we partied every night. We had a gigantic crew, some Bleacher Report employees, uh, some not, and, and everybody had such a good time. And then I got home, and somebody was like, hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, I'm doing – I won't leave the apartment. Like, I need to just hunker down, uh, maybe get off this bender, and, you know, get some other work done too. So but it was such a great week in Mobile. I mean – it, draft picks tap room hosting us again it, no one is better than them it, it was an awesome senior bowl week of practices got to watch the game obviously on tv now that we're home yesterday so another great senior bowl is my fourth in a row yeah it, it was great and you're right to shout out draft picks tap room they took such great care of us uh so many great stories are going to be told over the years from our week of 2019 senior bowl at draft picks tap room uh, so much fun, guys. We have a fun show tonight, too. It's great to be back in the studios, not tied down to doing Senior Bowl talk and, and doing more of a live show for the people in the bar with us, but now back to doing a show for all the people listening at home. So we're going to run down all the news and notes. We're going to put a button on the Senior Bowl with our final superlatives. We're going to kill some narratives, boys. And then we've got a lot of fun draft on draft questions. Let's, uh, one thing, before we jump ahead, you guys know I'm a Bel- Bill Belichick guy. Like, Big time, Bill Belichick guy. Patriots fan. Patriots You're fan. A Patriots fan. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so in the famous words of Belichick, we're on to Indianapolis, guys. And we will be hosting a meetup Ooh. at the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine at Two Deep Brewing Company. Honestly, I'm not just saying this because they're hosting us. We went there last year and had a great time. They have one of my favorite beers that I've ever had there. So I'm excited to go back. Uh, we will be there March 2nd. Time is to be determined. We're, we're trying to figure out scheduling, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to want to come out and meet us, drink their amazing beer. And we're toying around. I, I would love some feedback on this. Should we just do a meetup or should we record the show and then do a meetup? We want you guys to let us know what you prefer. Tweet us, Instagram us, Reddit it. Let us know. Now on to the show, guys. And news that I know is going to make our very own Connor Leroy Rogers, very happy. <laughs> is that your middle name? I don't know. No, my middle name is James, but you can rock with Leroy. I'm down for that. <laughs> I just make stuff up when I can't think of anything. Uh, I know. Fuck it. You can go Aaron. You can go Leroy, whatever you want. Yeah, that's what I did when I had to scout Trent Richardson, too. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's just make something up. But here's the news that I know you're probably celebrating tonight. Tom Brady was asked by Jeff Darlington of ESPN, are you going to retire if you win the Super Bowl? Brady looked at him like it was the dumbest question he's ever heard. He's like, no, zero chance I retire after this Super Bowl. So we get Tom Brady back one more year, 2019. So I have a weird take with this. I I don't want Tom Brady to have the ride off into the sunset (laughs) retirement as a Jets fan. Like I want the Jets, Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams to actually beat him before he goes off. Like, I don't, I, and I know a lot of people probably don't agree with this, but uh, Tom Tom Brady like is in the driver's seat. It feels like again where he could have this happy ending, and I applaud him for really being just the, the competitor he is is unbelievable. 
But as a Jets fan, you don't want him to just have this like happy ending. You're like, yeah, now it's our time. Like you want to win. That's the point. Yeah, it's like when the the Bulls were at the end of their reign. You know, everybody wanted to try to beat Jordan. They didn't. They didn't want him to retire. So I get that, but it's going to be tough for you, Connor. I don't know. I'm wearing a Jets. Oh, jersey, I know. But. Also. Let me let me be clear. This isn't about the Jets. Like I want to see Mahomes versus Brady again, Rivers versus Brady again. Like Tom Brady being in the NFL, no matter if you're Jets, Dolphins, Bills, whoever fan you are, is awesome because it makes the games better, the matchups better, and I think there's still quite a few left, you know, between all of these awesome quarterbacks. I think it's like when the Yankees had guys like Jeter, uh, Mariano Rivera, like when they were at their peak, like. Everyone wants to hate them. And that's that's Tom Brady. Like it's you fun. Respect the yeah. hell out of him. But he makes the NFL better because he's so great. And that's the, how the Yankees were for a good stretch. And I know everyone's gonna be very happy that I just compared Tom Brady to the evil empire uh, of the Yankees, even though I am such a big fan of his. Second so you want to become a fan of them too while you're at it? No, really just no, I'm good. <laughs> the knife in my heart. I, I'm good. Would never. If I were gonna become a baseball fan, not Royals, it'd be the Red Sox. All right. I, was, I mean, then you'd get I was made to be born in New England. Yeah, you're a you're you're second tier team. You're a closet Celtics fan, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't have I haven't watched basketball in so long. I don't even know anymore. Could grab the could grab Golden State, too, while you're at it for the <laughs> NBA. You'll just never miss a championship. <laughs> right. Big Blackhawks fan in hockey, uh, even though they're, they're not that great this year. All right. No, not anymore. Since we're talking other sports, we'll just tie this in perfectly. Did you guys see the report? The Oakland A's expect Kyler Murray to report to spring training. Is it about? Three weeks when spring training would kick off for the A's, which is two weeks before the NFL scouting combine. So he has still a decision to make. And I know that we keep saying, like, there's no news here. Let's just not worry about it. But they keep making it news by bringing it up. So we have to keep talking about it. Hey, well, we have a little foreshadowing here. A draft on draft question later is what's the best advice uh, a boss or a coach has ever given you? And I'll just go ahead and give you mine right now. Uh, I had a lady once tell me, you can wish in one hand and shit in the other. See which one fills up first. (laughs) This is what the A's are doing. Like, go ahead. You can keep expecting him to show up for spring training. The guy's going to be a lock for a top 15 pick. He's not going to spring training. I I was going to say, my answer to this is like, I'm expecting my ex-wife to come home too, but that's not necessarily going to happen, even though I don't have one. I was going to say, welcome to the crew. (laughs) Yeah, then I really fit in here. But anyways... I mean, if you're the A's, are you going to release anything different? Like, I don't, it's not. It doesn't mean the A's made a mistake, right? Drafting Kyler Murray, although I said at the time it was a really risky pick, not because of his situation in football, but because of the prospect he was at the time. Really raw. He hasn't proven that he could hit yet. I mean, the A's are probably sitting there saying we don't want to look stupid, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, they might miss out on what was their top ten pick. Yeah, and you know, we were talking to our buddy Adam Heisler about. Uh, baseball and first round prospects about 66 percent of them fail to get to the MLB so the odds of him making it to MLB were kind of stacked against him anyway so I I don't think there's a whole lot of problem Connor like you said they didn't really miss like most teams are going to miss you're not finding Mike Trout like even Mike Trout was like the 27th pick in the first round he's one of the best baseball players we've ever seen so it's not like a guaranteed thing that he's going to play baseball Uh, so if they wanted to take that flyer on him good I just I don't think that he's going to do it right and I I think like you said what Adam was saying 10 percent of minor league players make it to the majors like it's it's a ridiculous percent um, uh, of guys who actually get through that process and make it. So it's like 
you see the breakdown of high school football players to college football players to NFL players. And it's like, how, oh my God, no one's ever going to make it. It it feels like it's much worse for minor league baseball um, uh, when you look at how many people are actually drafted, how many make it. So we'll wait and see with Kyler Murray. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out soon. And I know we've spoken until we're blue in the face about what he should do, what we would do, and it all does is all going to come down to what does he want to do. And and unless his what he wants to do is drive up the asking price for a team, then I, I think the smart thing right now is maybe wait and see for him. Like why hurry? Wait and see if the A's up their offer. Wait and see if Major League Baseball steps in and wants to kick you some bonus money. Because when it does come to the NFL draft, you're not guaranteed a thing. There is no guarantee that you're going to be a top 15 pick, like you said, Melo. What if you slide because you're 5'8"? What if you slide because you're 175 pounds? Maybe you get hurt in the process. There's no guaranteed money. On the baseball side, there is. So there's so many damn factors to what Kyler Murray should do. I'm excited to get to the scouting combine. If he's there, that we get to start truly breaking him down. It's NFL draft 400 season for us, Mello. So a lot of scouting reports that we're starting to churn out. Kyler Murray's is probably one of the first ones that we have to do. All right. right. As we talk about quarterbacks, where guys will be, it's a tragic story that Alex Smith uh, got hurt, a gruesome injury. And at the time it was like, I don't know if this guy's ever play football again. Sunday afternoon, it comes out that the Redskins are making plans to not have him in 2019, which is like the biggest no shit press release I've ever seen. Like, yeah, we get it, guys. He was, I don't know if you saw the picture of him at the basketball game. He's still got pins in his leg. He's walking on crutches. The Redskins are expect him to miss this year, guys. And as we've done with most of our mock drafts, the Redskins are a team that should be all in on these quarterbacks, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, whomever it might be. I want to kick this around the table here. Who do you think Mello and Connor at pick 15 is the best fit for what they have going on? I think for them, you look at what they have already in Alex Smith. Daniel Jones, your guy. I know I'm not high on him. I know a lot of people say, why the hell is he a first-round quarterback? Uh, He reminds me a lot of Alex Smith, though. He's a pretty mobile guy. Maybe doesn't have the arm strength. Check down King. But he's a game manager that's not going to come in and lose a lot of games for you. I think the fit there with the Redskins and what they have on offense could work. And I I think at that position, if they stay at 15, you're looking at the number four or number five quarterback in the class. And for me, I think that's about where Daniel Jones is going to come in at. I would like to see them be aggressive, and I think there are a lot of people holding really important jobs there right now, whether it is on the coaching staff or in the front office, that know the pressure is on them right now to keep those jobs, and I think that's going to have a trickle effect on what they do in this draft. I don't think you could sit at 15 because I simply don't think an impact starter will be there, and like Melo said, that's Daniel Jones territory, and if you've listened to this show, that's not good enough, so When it comes down to it, they got to make some calls. I think Dwayne Haskins obviously would be a great option for them, but I don't know if they can go that high and get him. I would like to see Kyler Murray there. I I really would like to see them roll the dice. And I don't want people to compare this to RG3 all over again, where they pay a significant price to come up and get a quarterback that is a, a mobile quarterback that is, you know, an injury risk. I think Kyler's done a good job protecting his body. I think he is small, but I think he has a better, just a tremendous, tremendous arm. So those are the two guys I would go for. Somebody asked me on Twitter, who's going to have the most impact right away as a starter, not long term. I think it's Haskins and Kyler. And I think Washington with this news, they have to be thinking, how did they get up there last year? There are teams that will answer the phone. I mean, whether it is the New York Jets at number three, because they have their quarterback, obviously the Niners at two. Very curious to see Arizona at number one. If they just go with Nick Bosa, or they do auction off that pick. So 
there's so many ways this can play out, but I think the most important thing to note is here, Washington has to become a very, very serious player for a top quarterback. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw my two cents in. You guys talk about uh, Daniel Jones, who I know we're, we're going to get to in a couple of future segments. Kyler Murray does seem like he would be a good fit. And Connor, something you said is in the notes I've already written about him. He is so small that his strike zone is so small that he's just hard to hit. And I can remember watching the second Texas versus Oklahoma game and watching Charles Aminihu try to just drop his weight to hit Kyler Murray. Aminihu's 6'5". Kyler Murray's 5'9". He is a hard person for big defenders to hit because they just can't get low enough. You end up like wrestling his head off, kind of like Quentin Williams did. It's He's a hard dude to hit, so that is interesting. But I, I think that Drew Locke would be the best fit for them with what Jay Gruden has offensively, but I don't expect him to be there at 15. So unless they're going to be a team that trades up, they could get stuck in this Daniel Jones spot where I know there's mixed opinions on him. He didn't have a great week of practice, actually played pretty well in the senior bowl game, was named MVP, but that could be the most likely logical target for them right now. And a little bit of recruiting transfer portal news to close out the first segment here, guys, mostly just us being Texas homers, but this news actually dominated all of last week on the recruiting side of things. As we were in mobile scouting guys for the draft, there's this big news about who will replace someone like LJ Humphrey at Texas. Brew McCoy, who was a five-star recruit at a modern day, committed to USC because of Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury leaves to become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Brew McCoy says, I don't want to be here anymore. I was going to commit to Texas. I want to go back. So USC released him from his letter of intent, but he had already enrolled in class, guys, which makes this situation a little bit messy. We're waiting to hear if he'll get a waiver to be able to play right away. Connor, talk us off the ledge if we're being irrational Texas fans here. This kid should be able to play right away. Oh, without a doubt. I am I always side with the players, but, I mean, the NCAA has its rules, right? But at the end of the day, I, I know Mello went on a long, you know, not Twitter ramp, but made his points on Twitter about this when – you're committing to a school. Who do you think is coming to talk to you to come to that school? Yes, the head coach, but the offensive assistants are you're going because of a fit. Yes, you're going for academics as well, but you're going to play football at that school. And if you're Brew McCoy, this isn't like you're no name kind of guy. This is somebody that has legitimate NFL hopes when you're that level of a recruit, that level of a talent. I mean, I just don't see any reason why he shouldn't be on the field next year. And I, I think, guys, this is. A really interesting story for us because I think this trend is picking up where players are rightfully, just to be clear, they have the right to do this. And I think they're on the side that's a fair one, finding ways to get instant, you know, on the field eligibility. And not even being Texas biased here, I just, I'm with you. I'm going to side with these players every time. It's kind of shitty. I know it wasn't a head coach, but it was a very important piece to this offense that he's going to play in. And if, Kingsbury leaves, I think the players should get the right also. And that's not just McCoy because he's going to Texas. I would side with anyone that signed with that recruiting class because of Cliff Kingsbury. Well, and that's what makes it different. It's not like it's Clay Hilton. Kingsbury was a bigger deal than Hilton. Like When you have someone like McCoy who says, I'm going there because Cliff Kingsbury, I think he signed his LOI like two days after they hired Cliff Kingsbury. What the fuck are you supposed to do? Nothing, because you're a player. Guys, we had a great time covering the Senior Bowl. A lot of fun, but also a lot of really good football out on the field. Uh, I think we were all impressed by this class. Jim Nagy and his company 
of scouts did a great job assembling some of the best top-end talent I've ever seen in Mobile. And I wanted to wrap this up the way that we started the week. We started it, draft picks, Monday night. What are our superlatives? Who do we think will stand out? Let's wrap it back up and say, okay, who actually did these things? Who was the biggest winner? Who helped themselves the most? Who surprised us the most? Uh, and then what maybe our favorite moments were and some overall takeaways. Uh, let's kick this off. Biggest winner. Mello, why don't you start us off? And I'm going to go with the receiver out of South Carolina. Debo Samuels is a guy who a lot of people have talked about, and there's been a lot of hype around. I actually have never jumped on that hype train with everyone else. I thought he was always going to become a gimmicky receiver, maybe play him in the slot, maybe hand him the ball off on some jet sweeps. But he came down to Mobile this week, and I think he proved he's a legit receiver now. He, I'm definitely on the hype train now. He proved he can do, go deep. He can run every route in the tree, at least the ones at South Carolina. Very impressed with what he could do athletically. And he is a he's a lot thicker than what I thought he was. He's about 210, 215. He's going to have no problems getting off the jam. We saw Rocky Sin, a guy that everybody loves, trying to jam him at the line of scrimmage, and he could barely do it. This is one of the most physically athletic corners that was at the Senior Bowl, and Debo could just blow him right off the line every time. Use that quickness in the intermediate games. Use that straight line speed to get vertical. Yeah, and I compared him to Stephon Diggs. I don't know if you have a comparison yet that you're liking, but he is very solidly built. Yeah, I don't really have a comp for him right now, but you're right. He's just, he's so much more than I thought he was at South Carolina. If it weren't for injuries throughout his whole career there, I think we'd be talking about him as a surefire first round pick. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's one of those guys where if, you know, he didn't have bad injury luck as an underclassman, he would have left early and went in the first round. So it's good to see Debo healthy. It's good to see Debo really back to top form. Like you said, Melo, the weight, the, the muscle, He's got a totally different attitude than a lot of receivers. He's fearless over the middle. Great after the catch. He, he catches everything. It's not going to blow you away with top end speed, but that doesn't matter when you, you play like this guy does. So huge week for Debo Samuel. My biggest winner was Dalton Reisner. When, it, you know, the first day he was just okay. And then it's like each day he just looked more comfortable. He's such a smart player, but he's nasty. He's yelling. He's getting his teammates going. He got into a fight with Zach Allen, which is really exciting to see. I think with Reisner, versatility is kind of the name of the game for him. I liked that he got to play tackle. This guy's a right tackle that can play on the interior. So teams are just going to get some value here because he's a plug and play. He's not going to test like a Yadni could just, and he's not going to have, you know, the wins on his resume like a Jonah Williams, but the guy just does everything well. And then you talk to scouts that got to speak to him privately throughout the week. And they're like, that was my best interview. They're like, that guy gets it. He's going to put in the work. He's going to really lead a line in the trenches. So for Dalton Reisner to come down there in a group that we were pretty excited about, whether it was a guy like Andre Dillard, you know, obviously could just dropping out, but Reisner came down and showed that he not only belongs, but he's probably a lock for the top 50 and going to be an instant impact starter next year. I got to shout out our boy, BJ Kissel, because two years ago, K-State Texas were playing and he texted me. He was like, Hey, this right tackle for K-State is going to be a player. Get him on your list. And did and two years later so yep he's very very good been a, a fantastically solid player i think he might be a guard in the nfl but he's gonna play he's gonna start for a very long time my biggest winner i'm gonna stick with the guy that we saw stand out tuesday in practice montez sweat uh, had a fantastic week showed off that he's not just a quick edge rusher he has some power to his game very balanced as well it's a guy who has a basketball background it shows up with incredibly long arms but he plays with more power and pop than I expected. Early in the week, he puts Titus Howard in the ground. 
and then just really kept that going with a, a solid week throughout. So Montez Sweat, I think, closed the gap a little bit between himself and some of the other top edge rushers in this class, whether that's you know Brian Burns, Cleveland Farrell, Jaikai Polite, wherever you had that tier two group, I think we're starting to see Montez Sweat get at least some mention from scouts in the top of it. All right, next up, guys, one of my favorite superlatives. Who's the biggest riser for you this week? That might be somebody that you're doubling down on. It might be someone that surprised you, someone that we didn't know about. I'm going to start us off. He's not just the backflip guy. He's not just the dude who stayed in Mobile while his wife, his fiance had a baby. But Colin Saunders from Western Illinois, defensive tackle, had a fantastic week. He's a little bit short. Uh, I think he's just a shade over six foot tall, but very, very athletic at 320 pounds. Great quickness. I think teams are going to freak out because he had small hands under nine inches, 32 and three eighths inch, inch arms, kind of like Melo's boy Puna Ford. But he is such a quick guy off the line and was just explosive, powerful. We saw him walking back centers and guards in one on one situations and, and had a very good game as well. So, Colin Saunders, someone I'm really excited about. Can't wait to see him at the combine, but I'm excited about him uh, throughout this process. I mean, definitely a biggest riser. He even proved that he can get after the quarterback. I think he had the first sack in the Senior Bowl on Saturday. Uh, great story for him. I am going to double down, as you mentioned. I'm going with Jared Stidham. I think he is the biggest riser because he's back on my radar. Uh, I think this was a guy that was probably in that round three grade area. And after his great play during practice at the Senior Bowl, I think he's worked his way back up into at least round two. And depending on what happens with the quarterbacks, I would have him over a guy like Daniel Jones right now. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of his. I, so I think Jared Stidham, maybe if he can do a very good job at the combine, he's going to get back into that first round area. And this is a guy that everybody had pretty much written off until he came to the Senior Bowl. He has helped his draft stock more than I think anybody that played Saturday. Yeah, I think this would be a good time to present Jarrett Stidham with the uh, first stick to football John Cena award, which goes <laughs> to the player that looked the best in jorts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Stidham, Stidham was the absolute best in terms of just pure throwing in practices day after day. And there, there's no denying it. I mean, a lot of people came in with all eyes on Jones and Locke, and it was really good to see Stidham rebound. My uh, my biggest riser here is kind of a surprise, but Drew Sample. I thought he owned the tight end group, which coming into this week, there was a lot of, you know, just intriguing players like Parham, who got hurt from Stetson, the six foot eight tight end or uh, San Jose State, who's Oliver, Josh really Oliver, good yeah. pass catcher. Yeah, Josh Oliver. But Drew Sample was the most consistent guy. He was as advertised. He was a great blocker, but I thought he was a smooth pass catcher. He's not the guy that's going to athletically wow you going up the seam, but he's somebody that can really work underneath. I think this is the perfect tight end, two for an offense that really wants to run the ball. Uh, I thought it was a big week for him. Somebody that might have been on that sixth and seventh round kind of range probably jumped up to the fourth round after this week. So really good stuff for Drew Sample. And Mello, I want to add in there that Jared Stidham had a great bowl game as well. And in that moment, people were kind of like, oh, wait, like, this guy, like that's what he looked like when we thought over the summer, he could become a first-round quarterback, maybe even QB1 in this class. There's a reason that last year after the draft, when I reached out to scouts, like, hey, who should I prioritize to watch for 2018 season? Most people said Jarrett Stidham. So the talent is there. He has a clean, smooth stroke as a passer, I mean, beautifully. But he just didn't have a good year. And I, I think we'll see if the once we dive into the film a little bit more, guys, throughout the next three months, how much of that's going to be on him. 
This is a Josh Allen situation where he has no line, no playmakers, and he looks bad, but the talent is still there. The biggest surprise for me, guys, I'm going to stay on the quarterback train. Daniel Jones struggles. And again, I know he looked very good in the game, or I wouldn't say very good. He looked okay in the game. Right. He definitely missed some spots. But throughout the week of practice, he did not look like a first-rounder. He looked stiff. Uh, he missed a lot of throws in drills. Just I didn't see what I had seen during probably four games throughout the season to make me think first-rounder. And then the conversations you have with people. Uh, the three of us had a conversation with a scout this week, and he was like, yeah, he's going to go first-round, guys. Now, should he? Maybe not, because his struggles on the no. field were pretty crazy. I'll go next here. Biggest surprise for me, I'm going to stay with the quarterbacks. I came down to Mobile with a lot of expectations for the quarterbacks and what I thought they were going to do. And honestly, a lot of them disappointed me. Even in guys like Ryan Finley, I know that he's like Mr. Consistent, but man, he didn't do anything to wow you. Trace McSorley looked like he just didn't belong. Gardner Minshew was great off the field. He didn't do anything on it for me. And then you talk about guys like Stidham was good. Daniel Jones was kind of disappointing. I think Drew Locke is just trying to be so damn cute that he's not a very good quarterback. Like You don't have Pat Mahomes' arm. You can't do the things that he does, so stop trying to. Just go out there and be Drew Locke. Be a very good quarterback. You don't have to come out and do the no-look or the underarm passes, whatever. Just set your feet and throw the damn football, man. So the quarterback play was the biggest surprise for me because it was very, very underwhelming across the board. So you guys obviously had two things that disappointed you as surprises. I had one that actually I, I was really happy with. John Gruden in general. I feel like on the internet, whether it's Twitter, whether it's our show, I mean, we're more than guilty of it. When you trade Khalil Mack, you're going to get, you know, hated on. John Gruden's become a little bit of a running joke over this last year. But when we got down there, I, I loved his practices. As cheesy as it might seem, I really liked the the sticker idea during the game with the Raiders sticker. I thought he got some guys to just kind of buy in. And I think when he got to Oakland and cleaned out, how you know, cleaned house a little bit now, once again, let's exclude Mac from this. There's just there's no excusing that trade. But I do think John Gruden is going to find some guys to buy into what he wants to do. And I think just being around him, there was a lot of good energy. I do think he's somebody that can get the most out of the quarterbacks. I hope they don't trade Derek Carr because I would like to see him bounce back and have success like he did that year he was in for the MVP running. So as dumb as it may seem, because this guy's won a Super Bowl before, I was pleasantly surprised by everything John Gruden did. I tweeted this and took so much shit from 31 other teams, apparently, fan bases that were mad that I said John Gruden was running good practices. And all I said was, was like, awesome. I'm fun. Like I'm having fun. I'm excited. These practices are popping. The, the things that he's having players do, uh, the drills, there's the word I was looking for, helped us evaluate players especially compared to the Niners practices where it looked like Kyle Shanahan did not want to be there. So thank you, Connor, for calling this out because I absolutely agree. And I'm, I'm glad that someone else said it because goddamn people got, there were a lot of one-on-one looks that, that Gruden gave us. Players responded like Dalton Reisner. He was yelling at him and he, he clapped back and drew Locke. He was like, come on, Locke. Like you came down here to throw the football. Like I like that. Whether it's for show or not, I actually don't think it is. I think that's genuinely Gruden. I think he pushed players that he knows most of them won't be playing for him ever. So it was good to show he was committed to the event. Yeah, and like how good of a recruiter would John Gruden be? Like maybe oh, yeah. maybe after this Raiders thing doesn't work out for him, he goes down to college. 
I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, let's jump into our favorite moment of the entire week. This is always a big one, and it's very, very tough to figure out, like, okay, what's my favorite moment of the entire week? And we did this on the show that came out Thursday morning. We did, okay, what's our favorite moment? And the week wasn't even over. So we we gave our answers a little too early, boys. My favorite moment of the week, after the live show, Wednesday night, uh, we're, we're all standing at the bar drinking, talking to our listeners, just, you know, hanging out. And the bartender disappears. And Mello's drink gets empty. My drink gets empty. Connor's drink, I think, was empty. And everybody's like, where'd the bartender go? And Mello looks at me and he's like, dude, you've always wanted to be a bartender. Go get it. So I did. And I bartended for two hours. <laughs> you were good, too. Thank yeah. you. Even made a dollar. So, yeah, you're definitely killing it back there. Uh, my favorite moment, uh, I love doing the Dana Holgerson interview, but honestly, it was probably just the after the show, after practice uh, drinks, no matter who was pouring them, whether it was Matt or if it was somebody else, getting to meet up with our listeners. I know Richie Bradshaw had the time of his <laughs> life. Uh, so getting to meet, be able to meet with those guys that came down uh, and trying to make their way into the scouting business was really good to be able to bounce questions off them and, and put some faces to names. Faces to yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, thank you to everyone that stopped by. We had so much fun, even if we only got to meet you and just chat for a couple minutes or whether you were with us every step of the way throughout the week. It was a blast. My other favorite moment, besides the obvious ones we just listed, was when I was leaving, I walked past Mike Mayock decked out head to toe in Raiders gear coming out of the elevator because we were in the press box near NFL Network. He was coming in to do an interview. And uh, I just thought it was kind of a cool moment for, you know, yes, Mike Mayock played, but he never worked in a scouting department, which, of course, we had interesting you know thoughts on that for taking a GM job. But I just think it's cool to see him have this chance or this unconventional way, whether it works or not. It was just kind of cool when you listen to somebody in the media and all their takes on the draft for that long. And now you're going to get to see him do his, you know, do his thing, get his chance real life. This isn't, hey, we're going to post my top five quarterbacks online. This is you got to find some fucking players or your ass is fired. So that moment in general for me was just really, really cool. Fired up Connor is my favorite. Did you tell him that on the elevator? I hope so. Like, hey, you better find some fucking players. Or I looked at him and I said, man, this ain't like posting your top fives on the Internet anymore, motherfucker. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I would never say I would never do that. He would probably kill me, too. So I did not do that. Man, I actually saw him out in L.A. at the PA game and I had the same moment. Like he was standing there talking to Charles Davis. And it's like oh, I've seen them talking together for 10 years. It was so weird. But yeah, he's in Raiders gear. It's like, oh. God, it's like Mello in his Jets hoodie tonight. <laughs> Last one, guys. Overall takeaway, if you had to sum up the week, uh, I'm going to start here with Jim Nagy and his scouts. The Senior Bowl did something new this year. When Phil Savage was replaced by Jim Nagy, who had been a scout for a lot of NFL teams, most recently with the Seattle Seahawks, he came in and built a staff. He hired scouts. They hit the road this year, and they really tried to build out almost like a front office. And I think it paid off because not only did we have seven, eight potential first rounders, we also had small school guys like Penny Hart, Wes Hills, uh, Colin Saunders. Like we had some very good players and who had a lot of good looks. Uh, there was only maybe two guys and I'm not going to name them. Cause I don't think that's fair who I thought you shouldn't be here. And last year there were a lot more than that. So not only did they find good players, they retained them. You know, yes, Josh Allen dropped out, and it's unfortunate. Yannick just dropped out. That sucks. But they retained most of their core invites, and that's a very hard thing to do. 
Yeah, it is. And, I mean, you look at the talent, we talked about it all week. Even the quarterback class, I said it was disappointing, but it was still one of the deepest that we've ever seen, uh, which leads right into my overall takeaway. No one hurts their stock at the Senior Bowl. I think that we saw Daniel Jones really struggle, and guess what? Everybody still thinks he's a first-round quarterback. There's just something to going to Mobile, putting your nuts on the line, and showing everybody what you got. Like You're not going to walk away from there with a lower grade. I don't know that I've ever seen it happen. Even teams that... I like Andy Isabella struggled in the beginning, was able to show it out in the game. No matter what you do, I think you can do nothing but help yourself as long as you go down there prepared. I actually had a scout tell me that once um, that I kind of said like, oh, did so-and-so hurt themselves at the senior bowl? And he was like, no, it, you can't. Like, it doesn't work like that. You Unless you like get hurt, just go compete. And if you play poorly, we probably already knew that. Like, it was already on your film. You don't actually hurt yourself. But guys can help themselves by showing traits that you didn't know were there or like Debo Samuel looks bigger, faster in person than you expected on film. Yeah. I mean, that's just a note to everyone. If you have the chance to get in there, all those guys looked like they wanted to play. That's what's exciting about it. You guys really nailed it. You can't hurt your stock down in mobile. So take that invite and make the most of it. My overall takeaway. And this one is really important to me as somebody that's been, you know, now four years in a row, I was in my early twenties for my first senior bowl. This is the best break in event. In NFL media, it gives you the most access. It gives you endless opportunities to meet people, whether they are NFL employees, whether they are media employees, uh, college. I mean, all over the place. This is if you want to make a career and it's not easy to work in media. Of course not. It's I'm not going to sit here and pretend that everybody has a fair shake because that just would be a flat out lie. But if you want to give yourself the best chance and the best opportunity, go to Mobile. And go to the Senior Bowl, print business cards, go talk to everyone. When I mean, I saw a lot of people that came to our meetups at Draft Picks, and they were running around to go meet more people later in the night or earlier in the night at practice. There's so much to do here and so much to take advantage of. I thought the event always does a good job of giving player access for those interested in that, and obviously really good access during practice. So th that's my biggest thing. If you have any interest in working in the NFL, this is the event you should really separate and put at the top on your list to go to. Could not agree more. And I just want to add on that we should make Mobile part of the tailgate tour next year. Like I'm in. during the season? No, like for the game. Oh, okay, yeah. Tailgate for the game. All right. I don't want to go watch Southern Alabama play. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, happening. But Connor, I do you I definitely go, think you're right. People need to get to Mobile and you also you do not need to be credentialed. That's a question I saw a lot in my DMs, like, oh, is it worth it for me to go? I didn't get credentialed. Yeah, it is. You can still go to practice. You can still go out drinking with everybody. Did you afterwards. use your credential once? I forgot it. On Monday, what Monday we got in, Tuesday we got our credentials. I forgot my credential in our suite the entire week. <laughs> I did not have it with me. And I was still able to go to everything, get to the practices. No problems at all without that credential. One of my favorite segments that we ran a lot last year. We just haven't needed it this year, but I'm happy. I'm excited to bring this back. We like to call it Kill the Narrative. Connor, this is something you and I used to do a lot on the Wednesday show. Uh, we're going to test it out. We'll see how it goes. Let's have some fun with it. So we're going to kill the narrative from the Senior Bowl. Take one thing that you see a lot on Twitter, that you hear a lot. We're going to squash it. It's not true. It's not true. Mello, start us off, buddy. Uh, we saw a lot of attention going to these guys who are going to be primary slot receivers this week. Uh, Andy Isabella, Penny Hart, uh, even Hunter Renfro, who's ever ageless. But one thing I think a lot of people were coming away with this is how good Penny Hart was. And he had an exceptional week of play. 
But I don't think he's better than Andy Isabella. And we saw that in the game where he's able to really ball out against people. Some players, for whatever reason, they're not practice players. They can gear themselves up for a game and get focused. I think Penny Hart might be a practice player, and that's not a knock on him. That dude definitely made himself some money this week. But I don't think he's in that same category with Andy Isabella, even though he definitely had the better week of practice. Melo, I don't know if you remember... I believe I said this in the box when we were up there watching practice. The the difference for me is that we knew who Andy Isabella was, and he had a lot of hype, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about him on the show a lot. Incredibly productive, super fast, and we hyped him up. Penny Hart, we had not heard of. I remember when, when Jim Nagy texted me like, hey, there's this Georgia State kid. I was like, you know, I'm not going to have time to get to him. I'll watch him when we get there. So it's the known versus the unknown. With Andy Isabella, there were expectations, and he met them. With Penny Hart, there were none. So he exceeded them. So everyone blows up Penny Hart. And like you said, I agree with you. I think Andy Isabella is a better player. But Penny Hart became the the you know, talk of the town because we didn't know who he was coming into the week. Yeah, And I think they both struggled with a lot of the same things with like drops and catching the ball with their body. But they both excel at the same thing. And I just for my opinion, Andy Isabella is going to be the better receiver. Yeah, and I think one thing we came away with too is that I mean, Debo was just on his own planet compared to these guys, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I thought, I thought Hunter Renfro, Renfro was good. He just catches everything. I think, you know, him getting off the line of scrimmage—that's going to be something that teams are going to wonder about Hart and Isabella as well. Like, how quick is their release? Because when you watch the one-on-ones, like, it doesn't give you the full picture of what it's going to be like in a game, obviously. So, I, I just thought Debo and even Terry McLaurin a little bit were just on a little bit of a, a different level in comparison. My kill the narrative is, and we got to this earlier, we've kind of hit on it for a while this week, but let's just bury it right now, six feet under. Daniel Jones is a round one quarterback. There's nothing that can get me on this train. I, I'm I'm struggling to put an early to mid-second round grade on him right now. I just, I he's a big guy, and people think that means he has a strong arm. I didn't think his arm was that strong. I thought his accuracy was kind of whatever, especially in the game, like, and I think he's somewhat athletic. He has an injury history. The energy was okay. Not great. I, I, what first round traits does he have? I can't find one. And if it's because he's 6'5", 220 and played for Cutcliffe, that doesn't count. That's that doesn't it. do it for me. That's And that's the problem I have with this narrative is that every time I ask somebody what makes him a first rounder, why is he going to go in the top 15? They give me all things that don't really end up on the scouting report for me in the final grade. So we're not trying to make this the let's shit on Daniel Jones podcast because that's not what it is. I don't really like drew lock that much either. If that makes anyone else feel better. It's just when it comes down to it, this is yet another problem of quarterback demand, you know, really conquering all in this situation. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Mello has said it. You've said it. I- I've said it. You, teams will create a first round quarterback. It'll happen. And I would not be surprised if he goes top 10 because of the things you mentioned, Connor, He's 6'5", he's 220, he's very well coached coming out of that David Cutcliffe offense. That counts for something. Uh, Maybe it shouldn't, but for teams it does. My kill the narrative is, and I I saw it on Twitter Saturday, and I wanted to chuckle, and instead I just added it to the doc. Also, I don't really chuckle. I'm not really a chuckler. I don't even know how. I'm trying to think how do I, I don't know how to chuckle. Do you so, do like a Santa Claus, ho, ho, ho? Like a Bob Wiley? That's what I picture. Is that a belly <laughs> bouncing? <laughs> That'd be incredible. So my kill the narrative is this idea that no scouts watch the senior bowl game. And I can remember being young in this business and being told that and just never challenged it. I just always thought, oh, no one watches the game. The scouts all leave on Thursday. We leave on Thursday. 
but I come home and watch the game. And so there's always this weirdness, like, why don't scouts watch the game? Here's the thing. They do. They, they absolutely do. The, the, this idea that scouts don't watch the game or the game doesn't matter is not true. They just don't need to stay in Mobile to watch the game. The game, they will get the film of it just like they would Alabama LSU, and they will break that game tape down. Uh, I remember uh, talking to Jim Nagy about this when he got hired, and he was like talking about this too. Like, you know, when I was in Seattle, the first game we watched together in team meetings was the Senior Bowl tape. We would break that tape down together in meetings, and I know a lot of other teams that do the same thing. So don't fall into this. No one watches the game. The game doesn't matter. Yes, it's an all-star game, but the fucking game matters. Marcus Davenport was the number 14 pick in the draft last year, largely because he proved in the game that he had learned throughout the week and developed. It's draft on draft time, and our boy Connor needs to pop some beers. He, he's coming at people on the show tonight. I love it, and I just wish I was there to drink some beers with you. <laughs> oh, man, I just got an espresso machine, so now I'm you know perpetually wired un- until the end of time, so get used to it, everyone, especially now we're in draft season where – uh, well, we saw uh, we we call him. Well, let's not let's not you know downplay it, but just angry Matt throughout the week. <laughs> Matt in the car. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! You guys always see like the chipper, happy side of Matt. I don't think and Mello could speak to this even more. Matt's temper is would be a viral YouTube sensation. <laughs> oh my god! It would. You have no idea. Yeah, one of the like worst tempers. <laughs> the people don't know. They really don't because they do. They always get me that's like having fun and just chilling and I'm happy to see everybody. Cut me off in traffic. Let's see what happens. Don't punch the steering wheel. That's what is going to happen. So what is going to happen? Let's get to these draft on draft questions, though. Jay Rich wants to know which NFL veteran would you like to see placed in the college ranks again at their current age level with their current strength, speed, experience and skill sets? Just to light it up. So I'll take this one first. I think uh, maybe a lot of people immediately think Tom Brady because he's the best NFL player of all time. But I think that him in the college ranks would be kind of boring. I'm going to go with Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton is a grown-ass man even compared to what he was in Auburn. And I know that his shoulder's a little banged up. That does not matter. He would literally run the fuck over everyone in the SEC right now. He's like 250 pounds incredibly fast. I would love to see what Cam Newton can do. Not at Auburn, but you can go ahead and put that guy in a Texas uniform. Give me Aaron Donald versus any poor soul on the interior of a college line. I just think it would be laughable. I mean, Aaron Donald would have what? To over under 25 sacks in college. Over? I yeah. mean, he had the, he almost had that this year in the NFL. Yeah, so. I was going to take Khalil Mack. Because like, he played I at totally Buffalo, and he was kind of, you know, he's filled out more. I think he's learned some tricks. He was very, very good then, but he's just so damn crafty now as a pass rusher. Aaron Donald's a great choice, though. I like that. Learn some tricks might be a really good stick to football scouting phrase. <laughs> it's, it goes on a t-shirt. <laughs> Learn some tricks. I'm like a fan that. of that. I like that a lot. Tyler Fornis wants to know, what underclassman would you, what's that word? Jabe? Would have. Would have benefited. Would have. What underclassmen would have benefited the most from being at the Senior Bowl if they were eligible? I think it's a very easy answer. It's Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. I agree. I was struggling to think of somebody over here, but I I think you're definitely right. Just put everything aside and then just come prove that you're a football player and that you can throw the football and then no problems. We don't have to worry about spring training. We have Kyler Murray throwing the football. 
Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think one for me might have been Jonah Williams, too. Ooh, and and yeah. now, you know, I don't know if that we said nobody can get hurt at the senior bowl, but a lot of teams have concerns over his overall size. I mean, I think in that showcase setting, if he just was nasty and never lost a rep, people would be like, okay, we're overthinking this. He's an offensive tackle at the next level. So Jonah Williams could have made himself some money, obviously, just didn't have the chance. All right, next question, guys. And I had to think long and hard about this one. Eric Sheave wants to know, where were there certain prospects at the Senior Bowl whom surprised you the most once you saw them in person? Um, Debo Samuel. Yeah. Thick. Charles Menehue with his 37-inch <laughs> arms. And I'd seen him in person like three times. That one surprised me quite a bit. Yeah, I think those are really the two for me. Amon uh, Marshall's a big corner. Uh, that surprised me. Adderley, uh, kind of underwhelming. He does not look like he weighs 190 pounds. I mean, I was even messaging you guys. He looks like he's more 180, 185. Still a great tackler, but he does look very undersized. Unfortunately, Donald Parham hurt his ankle, but I mean, you said it day one, Matt. It looked like he was on stilts. I don't know if he when has you're six foot. When you're on six, when you're six foot eight, like that's going to naturally happen. But it, it was still really interesting to see. Mello, you, you're definitely right with uh, Imam Marshall and Nasir Adderley, where one plays corner, one plays safety, and it should yeah. be flipped almost. And I know a lot of people were like, well, they tried Adderley down there at practice. He didn't look so good. I don't really judge the corners that hard during practice one-on-ones and all that. That's a really tough environment. I think Adderley would be a really good, interesting slot at the next level. He's going to be get he's going to get a lot of those Buda Baker, Honey Badger kind of comps. Yeah, and for those corners, that is not fair. If you can go down to the Senior Bowl and you can lock somebody down one-on-one, congratulations, your name's Daryl Rivas. Like you're the only guy <laughs> who's ever done that. It's just it's very hard especially when a receiver knows I just have to beat this guy. I don't have any safety help over the top. I don't have to worry about linebackers over the middle. It's it's geared for receivers to win that. Yeah, and I'll throw one more in there. On the downside, how small did Trace McSorley look? Yeah, he looked very small. Uh, who was he throwing with? Drew Locke? Yeah. And he just looked like a child. And Drew Locke's 6'3", Trace McSorley's six foot tall. It's not that much of a difference. He's just a very small body. Our guy Joshua Engler... It's funny. He was messaging me all week on Twitter. When are you guys taking draft on draft again? When are you taking draft on draft again? Monday morning. We got you, man. He's got two of them for us. How would you rank the receivers by type in this class? Uh, Best red zone threat, best slot guy, et cetera. Uh, Best red zone threat. I'll take it. It's Hakeem Butler. Uh, There are a lot of guys in this draft that can do some very good things. As far as red zone, though, he can go up and get the ball and he can go down low and get it wherever you want to. No one high points the ball like him. I'll go with DK Metcalf for the red zone. I I think if he was healthy, he would have gotten a lot more opportunities. I think he's a big body receiver that can go up and win the ball. It's really a tough toss up between him and Hakeem. I mean, Hakeem Butler's a legitimate six foot six and he high points the ball. So that's so hard when a guy is that much bigger than you to begin with and can climb over the top of you. And I think best slot receiver is Marquise Brown and it's not close. Like we like Debo. We like Andy Isabella, man. Marquise Brown is special and slippery and he's so fast after the catch um i don't know that he's an outside guy for every scheme there are definitely some where he would be just fine out there but on the inside he is really really tough to cover up i like hakeem butler as a red zone threat i I think Nikhil harry's an interesting red zone threat too because i I feel like he's a more of a natural catcher than hakeem butler is i know Hakeem made some ridiculous catches this year but uh, to me, it looks like he fights it a little bit still. So uh, I love him, especially now that I know that he watches The Office. 
So. One uh, dark horse vertical threat kind of guy, I think Nicole Hardman from Georgia. I mean, yeah. just the pedal to the metal with him. Shot out of a cannon. Uh, possession guy for me would be my guy, Kelvin Harmon. So if you're looking for, you know, specific fits, we got it all in this class. There might not be this guy out in the front of the pack that's going to go top 10, but there's a lot of different flavors and a lot that can help a team. I'll tell you guys, I've had a hard time separating Paris Campbell, Mikkel Hardman, and Debo Samuel. And that's where the combine and three months of film study will help. But I have them like right together right now, and I can't really tie break it. Yeah, well, once Paris Campbell proves he has hands, he will break your tie for you because he's <laughs> going to be a first-round pick. Ooh, hot take. If he can prove he can catch. Okay. <laughs> the look on Melo's face was priceless. Like, Whoa, I, didn't mean I don't like- want somebody being like, oh, Melo said Campbell's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, if he can catch, he's easily a first-round pick. All right, second question from Joshua Engler. It seems like edge rankings are all over the place. What's our take on the divisiveness? I do think it's a hard position to scout. I think you look at bust positions in the NFL, it's really receiver, edge, and maybe corner are the ones that there's the biggest bust rate. And also, I think this is where it's hard to be a media scout because you're not scouting for a team. And so it's easy to look at someone like Nick Bose and be like, okay, yeah, he's really good. It's easy to look at Josh Allen and say, okay, he's really good. After that, you start to get into guys that, okay, would he fit this scheme? Would he fit that scheme? You know, the Niners and Jets, where they pick, you might be a little pickier about guys because of the different schemes that you run. So that's, I think, some of the divisiveness. Also, it's I always use the ice cream analogy. I might like strawberry ice cream. Mellow might like chocolate. Connor might like vanilla. They're all good. Everybody likes ice cream. We just prefer a different type. And I think with edge rushers, they could be that way too. Do you want someone who's a quick guy? Do you want someone who can be a power guy? Someone that converts speed to power? Because the chance that you're going to get someone that could do it all is very, very rare. So you almost have to pick your trait that you like and find those guys. Uh, I think you nailed all of it. Yeah, I think it goes back to Josh's first question too, where you could really break these down, like you just said, Matt, into types. Like the biggest upside guy to me is Ja'Kai Polite. The highest floor guy, like I just see no way he fails, is Cleveland Farrell. And the all-around stars, and it's Nick Bosa and everyone else. Like I think Nick Bosa is a bona fide superstar at the next level. But it, you nailed it, where there's so many different types, and they all can end up being pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. That's the cool thing about this year's class, is you can fall in love with like five or six edge rushers, because they feel like Colton. You know, like, I'm, I love you. I love you. I love you. Well, and a lot of people are starting to put Rashawn Gary into the edge category, not the interior defensive lineman. Well, that's where I have him right now. So I don't want to, don't let anybody steal our ideas like they did last week. <laughs> last three questions from our guy, Andrew Harbaugh, who came to Mobile. We signed a onesie for this man because his baby won stick to football baby of the year, which is amazing that that's a category. <laughs> three questions. Mello already answered this once earlier. What's the best advice a coach or boss has ever given you? Wow. Yeah, that's tough. Um, oh, man. That is tough. I have I one. mean, yeah, go I ahead. I was a sophomore in high school, and I wanted to play running back really badly. And so one day, uh, or one Friday night, they're like, okay, Miller, fine. We're going to give you some carries. Go play running back. We were killing the team we were playing, right? It's not like I came in in the fourth quarter and it mattered. And I ran the ball three times, first down, second down, third down. We punt. We're watching film the next day, the following Sunday or whatever. And oh, it's like, it's bad. I'm running straight up and down. I'm like trying to juke everybody, running on my toes. And the coach just looks at me and he goes, Miller, I love you. You got to stop running through the fucking tulips. 
And like I took that to heart. It's like you have to like if you want something, sometimes you have to be aggressive. You got to be willing to fight for it a little bit. And it was like, yeah, no more tiptoeing through the tulips for this guy. I like that one a lot. I, I think I'll go the other route for a boss since all my coaches have ever had give like ridiculous cliches all the time. Now it works when you're that age, but now that I'm 27, I look back and I'm like, man, that was kind of stupid. So uh, one from a boss though told me uh, never ask for, this is great. Never ask for permission, ask for forgiveness instead in the working world. Basically try things, do them. Even if you don't know you're allowed to, and if it goes bad, just ask for forgiveness because the the risk is worth it. And I've kind of taken that like into this show sometimes. Not that we go against our boss's demands or anything like that, but we try things. Like we did the mock draft video that went over 20,000 views on your Twitter channel, Matt, the other day. And like we were in our the Mardi Gras mansion down in Mobile. Not the best setup for audio or video, but we, we made it work. It. We, we built a set. And like thanks to Wheels and TR and Austin and all those guys for helping out. It, just try things and see what works because... Along that way, you're going to find out what doesn't, and that only helps you in the long run. Melo hears me say that about once a week. (laughs) (laughs) Just try it. Fuck it. What could go wrong? One more that I You're not going to die? And I actually agree with this. I know a lot of people don't, and it's always been, like, touchy. I was told once to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I don't know that, like, that necessarily means you should wear a suit every day, but I I think you should act like the job that you want to have. And I would say a lot of people listen to this show. They want to be scouts. They want to be coaches. That would be my advice to you guys, like, on Twitter, especially, or in person, act like you already have that job. Like, be responsible, be uh, polite, like, just be a good person. Be someone that people want to hang out with, people want to work with, and that will get you pretty damn far in life. Uh, Next one from our boy Andrew Harbaugh. What was your favorite team to play with in Madden? Gosh, I don't play, like, any Madden. I tried to do it this year, and all I ended up doing was creating draft classes and trying to draft people. Uh, I always try to go with a mobile quarterback, which is kind of hard in the NFL sometimes. So Russell Wilson, Seattle, usually pretty good. After that, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a Madden team. I, when I, I was really even... young, I I would use the greatest show on turf, obviously, because you just had weapons galore, and that was like before this offensive boom. So and we everyone used to say video game offense, but now we see video game numbers in real life, which is just. Like Mahomes' 50 yeah. touchdowns or whatever this year. Like that phrase has almost died with the way the league has trend. But back then, that's the only time you saw that kind of offense was in Madden. Yeah, I don't, I really don't know if I, I'm trying to think back when I did play. For me, it's like I played Tecmo Super Bowl and dominated people with the Niners. Like I got John Taylor running slants, folks. Good luck. All right, boys, that's our show for today. Connor and I will be back Wednesday morning, breaking down all the news, breaking down some prospects, getting back on the fixing team schedule. Mello and I will be together Friday morning. We're going to do prospect notes. We're going to do a top five. It's going to be a great show. And then we'll all be back together one week from today with a big, bad Super Bowl hangover. It's going to be great. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. We'll talk to you again real soon. Mm